Welcome, everybody. This is Chantel Lopez, and you are listening to the Thinking Pilates podcast with myself and Deborah Colway. Hey, Deborah. Hi there, Chantel. Mm-hmm. Um, tonight, we are talking about what we have um, deemed a very broad topic and an exciting one and a really pivotal one. Um, Deborah and I both believe in terms of teaching Pilates, and that is looking at the philosophy of Pilates and what is the philosophy of Pilates? How do we acknowledge it, understand it, integrate it, and teach from it and or run our businesses from this place of understanding? Um, And so, yeah, it's kind of an exciting thing. And and I think we're just going to let the conversation unfold and see where it goes. I wanted to actually, I have, um, the, I have the return to life book in front of me. Um, it's well worn with pages falling out and highlighted sections. And I mean, I'm lucky it's still in, it's not actually in one piece anymore, but, uh, I wanted to read Deborah just really quickly something, um, from the beginning of the book and he writes, you know, controlology as the, the name that he actually called the method says, controlology develops the body uniformly, corrects wrong postures, restores physical vitality, invigorates the mind, and elevates the spirit. And I am always really kind of uh, reaffirmed when I read that because for me, in, in kind of a general way, the Pilates method really is a body, mind, and spirit. And I really believe that, unfortunately, we get very caught up in the body and physical part of it. And that is not to say that it is not a part of it. It clearly is a physical form. And yet it feels often like that's the part that we gravitate toward. And then these other really beautiful pieces of what I think of as integral to the philosophy, invigorating the mind and elevating the spirit, get get overlooked. And I'm not sure, maybe we can address this, Deborah, but it does feel a little bit like, to me, um, perhaps the physical form is the easier of the three to address and the, and the piece that people are most comfortable with. And so the spirit piece, that that kind of soulfulness or energy piece and, and and then the awakeness and the awareness of the mind are maybe a little less comfortable for people. So I just wanted to throw that out there and um, perhaps let both Joseph's writing and this sentiment kind of be our sounding board uh, for the discussion. Anything you want to... Yeah. Wanna, um, yeah. Well, I do. I remember... I don't know if you know this, Chantel, but I, every time I've ever uh, presented at the PMA, I've felt like the, the diplomat for this topic. And um, thankfully, they've let me um, they've let me speak about this kind of thing several times. Uh, the very first time I presented there, um, I I taught something that I that I called something like. Uh, 
uh, I can't remember, Reawakening the Spirit of Plot is the often forgotten part. Mm. So I won't go into that now, but, you know, coming from the background that I do with a lot of meditation and a lot of yoga, um, it seemed very natural to me that Pilates, the form itself, was the vehicle to these other things. And when I first started teaching and considering this trinity of the body, mind, spirit, which is a long time ago now, I did think, wow, this is probably somewhat difficult for people to want to consider. And how I made it work for myself was I thought, okay, well, there's the obvious physical form. There's the mental aspect with regard to the awareness and the concentration. And then there's the breath. And how I always looked at it as a younger teacher, when I didn't feel like I had the confidence or the knowledge or the experience, really, to get into the whole spiritual aspect, because I don't think I even knew myself well enough back then in that way. But um, I thought, well, there's the breath, and the breath is the... The breath is the bridge, you know, the breath is the mixer of these two. And and people can understand that. And people can feel the difference when they're holding their breath and when they're not holding their breath. And that to be a human mover, integrating breath into everything you do completely changes being a human mover who's holding tension and not breathing. And these kinds of things have so much more of an impact on our on our health and our well-being than simply being physically fit in the sense of um, musculoskeletal coordination and all those things. And um, with regard to the refreshment of the mind and all of that that he talks about, I always thought it had to do with... Um, this thing that can happen when you actually focus on what you're doing. So that was about as simple and as naive as I was back in the beginning. I thought, well, yeah, it's it's just that you actually are paying attention to what you're doing instead of just going mindlessly through a form. And that in and of itself is, huge, is a huge relief for the mind and for the nervous system. And why it's refreshing is because you're cutting down on some of the discursiveness and that mm, chatter that's right. in there all the time. Yes. Actually allowing yourself to become one-pointed. Mm-hmm. So it's right there within the physicality. I mean, you can't have it without the physical. Right. But I definitely think it has to do with how you approach the physical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm thinking about this topic a little bit, and um, I guess one of one of my mm-hmm, what do I want to say? I feel like to me, reading this book, having read this book many times, and 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 over the years chosen very consciously who I wanted to learn from those people who have a sense of clarity of why they teach and, and that they teach from their understanding of the philosophy, which obviously is 
you know, different for everybody a bit, but has this similar resonance. Um, the method to me, it's interesting that you're talking about the breath one, because I think you're, you know, you're right on. I mean, it, it, it does end up being the bridge. It's like it's the bridge or the gateway between the, the body and the mind. And ultimately, that kind of awareness of how it affects our spirit. Um, but it's also like in terms of just physically, the method itself as a physical method, he talks a lot about the breath being, you know, the ultimate thing that we are trying to improve. And with That's right, that quote, the famous quote. Yeah. Right? Above all, learn to breathe correctly. Yes. And, and so, you know, we go on and on about what that means because everyone's going to, people have very different opinions on what that is, too, breathing correctly. Yes, breathing correctly. And and I think, actually, I feel pretty, for myself, feel fairly com- comfortable just allowing everybody to have their own opinions about what that means. As uh-huh. long as we, you're in alignment with the fact that this is kind of the the end game, right? It's where we start, and it's, it's the ultimate end game. Uh, and I think that that's philosophical. I mean, I think that's not just physical. I feel like for myself, that's philosophical. That's, and I, I yeah, but I think you can, I think you can say philosophy of, without having to only be being philosophical because <laughs> part of the philosophy is to be in good physical health and with the you know the name of the book return to health um you know has to do with that we've even back then of course as you know when you wrote the book we've moved away from some very kind of basic, natural human needs, you know, just the the basics of what it is to be a human being. And uh, so the, the fitness part, it's all integrated. You really can't have one, one without the other. Um, Of course, everyone's level of fitness is relative to where they're at at any one given time. But another thing that I think is um, really true is that as humans, we are meant to be social creatures. We get so much out of interaction. And when somebody is ill or suffering from chronic pain, you know, the tendency is to get, uh, um, you know, less and less able to go out. You, right. You're focused on it. It's such a distraction all the time. Mm. It distracts your mind. It distracts your spirit. And so the value of being able to be fit or be healthy also has an impact on our whole social experience, right? Yeah, and he talks a lot about that, about his... I mean, I always think of him as being incredibly idealistic, right? His vision for the world through this method of movement. But the the sentiment is so beautifully simple that through through 
aware movement, consistent movement, we can restore our vitality. And I think that perhaps if we were going to sum it up, you know, that that's the, that's the philosophy, right? To, to move, to breathe, to focus in a way that draws each of our students and ourselves towards greater vitality, toward their greatest potential, whatever that might look like, you know, in right, any given and literally moment. also, and also the concept of uniform development and uh, the internal shower, which has to do with moving at a certain pace of velocity that allows for your body to uh, push that oxygenated blood through the system and detoxify the cells. Because mm-hmm. that, that's part of it, too, that not only the musculoskeletal, but all the systems, the organ system, the endocrine system, to get that newly oxygenated blood to all the cells of the body, the brain, all the organs. I think um, when I first started teaching, certainly, we didn't really talk that much about organs, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you find you do now? Yes, I do. Uh-huh. And you you personally do, and you as a collective, like, you know, with... with At Pilates Center, yeah, I yeah. think we... As a group, we've, um, we have really, I guess you could say we, we sort of move through different focuses or styles of, sure. of focus or something, you know what I'm saying, as a, as a, as a group at the center. And so, um, you know, you, you find that for a while it's all about the feet, you know, yeah. and then it's all about the hips or something. But, but we also get really into circulation and, uh, and, and organs and, and all of it, you know. I have to say, <clears throat> I definitely was influenced by my time spent with the Franklin training. Yeah. In terms of really looking at all the systems of the body. But even before that, I was very influenced by Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen and the Body-Mind Centering. Mm-hmm. Because she comes from a total systems approach, you know, and how all the systems in the body have to work together. And Thich Nhat Hanh talks about all the cells having to communicate and, you know, so there's so much um, to support this idea of uniform development being so much more than just, you know, balancing your hamstrings with your quads or your triceps with your deltoids or, you know. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second because I do feel like, you know, uniform development um, is really, it it really is also about holistic integration of every part of the body, which I think is just, you know, just a reframing or rephrasing of what you're talking about, but that what often happens for us as Pilates teachers, and I would say being, you know, from kind of surrounded by contemporary teachers and where we get a lot of fusing of, um, you know, physical therapy and and lots of a variety of methods, uh, which is incredible and yet can lead us to really picking the body apart and isolating the pieces and making it feel very, like, uh, you know, kind of um, jilted and not quite coherent and a lot to think about and 
you know, now, now I'm focusing on my shoulder and now I'm just focusing on my ankle. And, and that we often, I mean, a lot of teachers that I have had, you know, the opportunity to work with that it's, it's so much the focus that you rarely get the opportunity to feel and have the experience of the body moving as one integrated, whole, vital, you know, well-balanced system in yeah. whatever, you know, in whatever way it can in the moment, at least to have that opportunity. And if we were going to kind of, you know, one of the questions we had talked about kind of posing for ourselves in this conversation was, you know, how do we take the Pilates philosophy or our understanding of it, or do we at all, and integrate it into our teaching? I feel like this is probably, if I were to make a list of philosophical points, you know, of the method uh, of like my top, you know, five, like this is probably very much, this would maybe be number two after the breath is that I do feel very much like my teaching, like I'm just conscious of that, of that flow of that integration. And it has not always been that way. And I see a distinct difference in that form of teaching with that as being the intention held throughout the teaching endeavor, even if that includes segmenting and isolating. Um, but ultimately that my goal is to drive the, the, the body towards integration. And I think that's very interesting. And I, I feel like that's really actually pretty important in terms of do you, can, is it Pilates or is it just something that's kind of like Pilates? Yeah, that's exactly, that's, yeah. I mean, that's how, that's how we feel. And, you know, in a way, although I'm not entirely comfortable with this definition, I would say that if you think of classical Pilates as a distinction from contemporary, and I, I don't even know all the time what people mean when they say contemporary. Yeah, I know. You use yeah. the term, so I'm just repeating it. I mean, I feel like the, the best of the classical focus is this body, you know, is the integration, is not pulling the body apart, is, is, um, is seeing that holism. One also has to be intelligent and understand that people are coming to us with all kinds of variations on, you know, difficulties, limitations, pain, whatever, but that we don't, we don't get stuck there. We don't get stuck there. Mm. We, we don't treat people as a bunch of parts. Yeah. I mean, you know, Eve's famous quote that I always quote is, we don't teach exercises, we teach concepts. And that's a good one to really wrap your mind around for many years. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean... One has to understand the body. One has to understand good mechanics and all of that and know that. Um, I think if you're well-grounded in that, you can 
you can teach in such a way that allows a person to move as fully as they are capable of, as you said, in whatever place they're, you know, whatever they're coming with. But still teach in such a way that the that the human movement isn't, uh, I don't want to say, like, restricted or, you know, like, blocked. It could look really small. It could be very uh, modified from the larger version of a, of, a, of a movement flow, but but our encouragement is still there to be integrated, to work, you know, to move in sequence, to mm-hmm. move with flow, to have the smooth movement and the integration of the breath and all these things that we work with, no matter what their um, issue is. Yeah. You know, um, just thinking about this, in in my own history as a teacher and then the teachers who you know I train and, and mentor um, I, I never like my intention is to never uh, pass judgment on other teachers like where they stand right from from what place right. do they teach and I'm just not that interested in, in doing that I, kind of just very curious about it. Um, but that, and you know, some people don't even know, like you said early on, and that's a little bit alarming and concerning to me that there's not like maybe even a formulated opinion, right. Or discernment that's happened. And I think that's not probably very uncommon these days because I don't think unlike what you described earlier to me, for what you do with your teachers is to make sure that they have this, you know, this Pilates primer, this return to life and your health, you know, collection and that they can read it. And then there's discussion. And so there's understanding. I think many people, many teachers are like not being exposed to that. Certainly not in that kind of depth where they're being guided by somebody to help them understand it. So although, although I'm, I'm, you know, not very interested in the judging and I find myself to be a very much kind of middle of the road kind of person in general, like not, not always like needing things to be like black and white with it. This is the right way. And this is the wrong way, which is kind of maybe an interesting conversation later in the definition of, you know, contemporary versus classic, or if we even believe that, or what is that even about? But that it is important as teachers to know what our own personal personal philosophy is in conjunction with the philosophy of the method that we teach. And I guess I would hope that the ultimate outcome of our conversation would be to just help teachers first ask the question, do I know what Pilates is? Do I understand the underlying philosophy, the physical, you know, mental, mind, emotional, spiritual aspects of the philosophy? And then what parts of that are most important to me to teach? Yes, exactly. And so, um, it, 
so so yeah, you got to read the book. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a, well, it's I didn't a good read start. Return to Light first. I read, um, I found it in the bookstore uh, back in, I don't know, 1982 or something. I found uh, Philip Friedman and Gail Eisen's book, Body's Method of Physical and Mental Conditioning. Hmm. And um, that one, you know, also had a decent amount of, background in it, so I felt like I wasn't just looking at a book full of exercises. There was a, a really good introduction. Um, and then, of course, later reading Return to Life, I mean, that's a lot of what goes on in our training program right off at the start. We we read the book together. We talk about, I mean, you, you said yours is underlined, and I have so many copies of it, like on just paper, and highlighted, and finally, Amy, um, she actually broke down at one point, I think we give out a highlighted version, and we actually delineate for the students, um, the, there's a list of Pilates principles that we go over and over and over, and we highlight in the book the areas where we think um, is, you know, speaking to those principles the most directly, and we talk about it all the time, and we have tests on our questions, sorry, on our tests, you know, where we ask them to, again, remember to be able to speak um, intelligently about this body of work that they say they're teaching. We also give them history. We want to know, we want them to know that, you know, Joseph Pilates is a person, and, um, and sort of where he was coming from and how he got where he got to. And it's, it's even easier now because people have been doing a lot of research on, you know, there's the kind of like there's the nerds, the Pilates nerds who like to, to find all that information out. And so it's it's even easier nowadays to to look into the history of who this, who this man really was. So um, we've always felt really strongly that understanding the lineage that you come through, I don't mean the different elders, I'm talking about Joseph Pilates himself, yeah. and kind of where he was in his, you know, at the time that he grew up, and the historical stuff that was going on, I mean, it's all part of the thing we inherited. And um, so that's always been really important to me and to us, uh, at the Potty Center to to open that up to the students so that they so they get it on some level. It's not just a bunch of exercises. Yeah, and here's an interesting thing, uh, uh, just uh, that has come up for me while you were talking, is that um, how important is it that we we have this understanding of the philosophy? And we teach the physical method via this kind of depth of understanding of his intention or his, um, you know, just like just looking at the book, you know, all the words that he uses, um, it infuses the method in a way versus, so we teach from that place, which my experience of that is that it just feels so much better. It feels exciting and inspiring and, and like I can keep getting excited about it because I feel like there is actually some depth versus 
just teaching the physical method, the exercises, parts of the exercises, like just as a form of fitness, which that happens a lot, right? There's really no connection, reflection on the history or the philosophy, and it is simply just a means and a, and a really a quite, you know, obviously very effective means of building strength and, and flexibility and, and balance in the body. It's, it, it, it is something that I can liken to the practice of yoga here in the United States as you can go to a class where it is just exercise. I mean, it is just the asana practice. It's just the poses and there's tremendous benefit. And then you go to a class where there's, you know, there's some teaching from the philosophy and then, you know, to whatever degree, but I'm just opening up this question of like, how important is it? And I kind of, I wish I could pull the entire Pilates community and get a sense of like 85% people of people think, you know, like are most concerned with the physical method and are not really interested in the philosophy or vice versa. Like I'm just, I'm, I wonder like how, I don't know, do people really think that it's different in teaching what this way versus, you know, just like, well, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, but I, I do think that that's one of the benefits of the PMA, you know, is that it created a a focal point, um, like, to bring people together. Who are we as a community? What is this that we teach? Where did it come from? Uh... Yeah, I mean, it's, I can't disagree with anything you say because it's the only way that I've ever approached it. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think even within the PMA, I mean, it's a forum for having that discussion, certainly. And, you know. But it, but it opened up the, um, it, it was, uh, I'll say this, it started to um, educate the public as to the fact that this was something that had some depth, some richness, some background. It wasn't just another exercise class and, and people started to actually become a whole lot more savvy about who they wanted to go to as an instructor and, you know, things like that. And obviously there's there's a very basic um, issue of well-trained people so they don't hurt you and things like that. But I think that the you know, what was really desired back then. And even when Eve and Michelle, you know, tried to start the Pilates Institute, the whole other conversation, you know, the Institute for the Pilates Method, which then, of course, had to go away right. and change its name, you know, because of everything we've been through legally and politically um, as a community. But, um, you know, Eve's dream was that we should... Eve was a peacemaker too, you know, and she didn't like all the infighting and the disruption and the disagreements, and she really wanted us all to to come together and, and work together and help each other, and uh, that's 
part of the philosophy, I think, too. If you're not worrying about yourself so much all the time, you can lift your head up and look around and see who else is out there and appreciate each other a little bit more. And maybe you don't completely agree with what everybody else is doing, but you can you can appreciate each other and you can learn from each other. And that is also part of the philosophy. The philosophy, the philosophy is to is to help us be humans who aren't so, you know, sticking our head in the, in the sand. It's, 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 it's that kind of health, too. It's the kind of health, return to life, health and well-being that allows us to be humans who can care about each other, you know, and um, that, I think, is part of it, too. Yeah, I mean, I love that. And I think in certain circles of, you know, other Pilates teachers I have been in, that certainly is, resonates, you know, pretty high on the spectrum. And yet my own experience, and I think, you know, you and I are, are kind of generationally from a, kind of different in, you know, when you started teaching and your path and your exposure versus mine and kind of my some of my peers, my experience is often that people are just, it's just fitness and it's just exercise and there is not really a, a great desire or interest in understanding it further. And although, you know, attending the PMA conference in particular, I do feel like there's more discussion around lineage and the importance of honoring. Oh yeah. You no, know, it's, I think it's getting better all the time. Yeah. It, in terms of um, people that, you know, it's like you can't, you can't fault people for not knowing what they don't know. Of course, um, right. You know, because you can be out there in your town and you get exposed, I don't know, at a gym, at a health club, at a, a rec center or whatever. And I mean, the method is so good that that goodness shines through even with many layers of mud on it, you could say, you know? Yeah, and yeah. so then people get intrigued. I mean, it's blown my mind how often I, you know, the numbers, just sheer numbers of people who uh, get exposed to this work, something resonates, and, you know, from all walks of life, from all situations, it resonates, they stick with it. Um, you know, and you just do what you do in the city that you're in or wherever you live and at some point maybe you get exposed to a larger understanding or a different approach or something and uh, I don't know what am I trying to say here is that it, I'm incredibly fortunate I guess that I was exposed the way that I was and that I had a certain philosophical bent to begin with you know um, and gravitated toward really good people more often than not and you know so I'm so lucky in that way uh but people you know we we, we grow and we mature the best we can with what we have and hopefully we stay open and learn this you know it's like uh yeah <laughs> I'm a little lost. I'm a little lost. But you know what I mean? It's like on the one hand, even if somebody doesn't have the whole package, they can, they'll still be affected. You know, that's the thing. When people start to 
get balanced physically and and you're kind to them, so you're teaching them and they don't really understand a whole lot what's going on, but they they keep coming, you know, and they keep coming and then suddenly three, five years later you realize that this person who was, you know, pretty grouchy when they first came. Yeah. It's not the delightful, delightful person now. Yeah. Yeah. You know? uh, absolutely. <laughs> I think your idea of like wondering how many people have read the book versus not, or, you know, stuff like that. That is really interesting. Yeah, and, uh, well, what I was going to say is uh, I think that you're absolutely right, that it whether or not we are teaching directly from a philosophical understanding or excitement or um, place, that it, it it is pretty cool the way that the method invokes that in people. And I've seen the same shift that you have seen. Um, in people evolving in the direction of vitality and lightness and spaciousness and awareness over time without without uh, us as teachers really needing to say anything about it at all. And maybe that's like, maybe that's just the gift of the method. Maybe that's just it. Um, and a good teacher and a kind, you know, you have to always say to my students, if you're going to teach Pilates, you actually have to like people. <laughs> you know, because point. people are all kinds of ways, you know? Yeah. It's a good point. I mean, it's a good point. I don't know. I don't always like people. I think that's why I often struggle with teaching very often, to be completely candid. Um, yeah. Well, I'm not saying I have a great time every day, but yeah. I think in general... Well, you have to want the well-being of others. Well, you, you are curious about them, even if they're crabby, you know, or yeah. even if they give you a hard time. It's like you can get to a place where you're more interested in why they're like that. Yeah. Well, and that they're, that they're messing with you, you yeah. know? Yeah. I like that because I think I can probably, I think my curiosity is why I continue to do anything that I continue to do is it. Sure. Yeah. So that's interesting. Well, you know, we could... Um, pose, I think, infinite questions around philosophy, and and this has been an interesting discussion, and I would, I will, I would like to continue it with a, a guest, um, Melissa Francis, um, who I'll be speaking to later, who's a studio owner in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and we'll see what other slant this takes on, and I guess that perhaps for me, it's just like let this be the spark for teachers who are listening to either examine for themselves perhaps for the first time what they believe about what they teach and or re-examine what it is they believe about they, what they teach because that's, you know, we have to do that regardless of if we kind of grew up with the philosophical impression or not that it does we change, and as our work changes and our life changes, re-examining and reassessing, just like we do in the, you know, method, just like we do teaching bodies, is really crucial. So, you know, it's a cool, it's a cool thing, and the philosophy I think is very rich and multi-layered, and also very simple. Yep. Okay. Well, thanks so much. Yeah. For now, that's. You're welcome. 
it. Yeah. That's it for us. And we will continue. Hopefully next time you hear from us, we, uh, I'll be speaking with um, Melissa and we'll hear what her thoughts are on trusting the method and um, the philosophy behind it. So until next time, Deborah, happy yes. practicing. Talk to Thank you, you again Thank soon. You. <laughs> All right. All the things that make you sing and tap your little toe.